We're the Nada Grande Boys. I'm Rodney Wood. And I'm Kyle Jackson. Welcome to the Nada Grande Outdoors podcast where we hunt it forward. Well, not live. Not live, right? Not live, <laughs> but, but recording. Recording. Oh, watch out. Cheers. Kyle, the, the honors go to you tonight. I know. Um, it seems like the honors are going to me a lot lately. They, dude, when you when you bring the guests, the honors are yours. So you need to start bringing some guests. <laughs> I've, I've, I've brought some guests in my day. Uh, so we I'm are. Job. Yeah, right. yeah, that's right. Uh, we are rolling. Uh, welcome everybody to the Not a Grande Outdoors podcast. We have a great guest with us this evening. Um, got some feedback from some of our listeners. Wanted to hear something about uh, turkey hunting, and we're a little late to the game but right actually it's almost halfway over it's almost halfway over <laughs> but i actually like that because everybody kind of has a chance to get out there and make some mistakes and and now we can kind of throw out there hey if you're not having any luck try doing this yeah you're stretching man <laughs> whatever <laughs> we'll stretch it uh joining us is uh, uh sergeant josh waldrop with new mexico department of game and fish uh sergeant out of carlsbad pretty average turkey hunter um and we're going to have a nice discussion today about turkey hunting. Yeah. Uh, I know I am not real versed in turkey hunting. I only gotten into it recently, so this will be good for me. Um, you've done a little bit more than I have. Yeah, but not much. Yeah. Um, can, can we start a little off topic today? If we, if we want to start off topic. Okay. Okay. I know, I know we're here to talk about turkey yeah. and everything. Yeah. But as we are recording this today... Day. The draw results came out. Yep. And Josh, you, can, you can see the excitement on Josh's face because I'm sure he gets all the calls and all the stuff on social media that we see. Why didn't I draw a tag? Can draw a tag? Right. <laughs> I, I received a few calls today. <laughs> you didn't get any from me because I am super nope. stoked. I finally, Good. after years and years and years. And are you going to do this or are we going to do a red, red, red or green? Well, we need to do a red or green. I know. So you not want me to do this right now? It's up to you. We, finally can, drew... still, we can still do a red or green. We're still going to do the red That's or green. True. I finally drew an Oryx tag. Yeah. I'm freaking excited. Uh-huh. So I've been, I've been trying to draw an Oryx tag for years. And I, I've said it on this podcast multiple times. That's the one tag that I've never been able to draw. And I finally drew it. And I drew a good one. I drew, I drew the off-range February hunt which is, you know, not hunting in July when it's hotter than the pits of Hades. So I'm pretty excited. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Um, is, that, uh, is that as far as we're going off topic? That's really we're as gonna, far. We're I just, come I back just off to, the rabbit I, trail. I had to tell everybody, yay me, I got an orange deck. <laughs> well, congratulations on that. Thank you. Everybody's, everybody's going to send us hate mail now. They, but listen, we've always said this. Every year. We've always said this. We draw well. Yeah, we, you, it, for the most part, if you're not drawing, you need to look at what you're putting in for. Yeah. Uh, because um, what's this? Our, what, what, how many years have we drawn elk? We draw elk a lot. Yeah. Uh, this is, we, we also, four out of five years. We also drew an elk tag. And I believe that, yeah, it makes it four out of five years that we've drawn an elk tag. So, um, and, and we didn't draw deer tag this year. Didn't draw two tags. And that's only the second time in my life that I did not draw deer tag. But, but and we'll get into this deep deeper in the next podcast that we do about red or green. Red or green. Yep. But I'm not disappointed that we didn't draw a deer tag. No. I mean, I, I am because it's a bummer that we didn't draw. But the three hunts that I put us in for this year, tough I did, to draw. they were tough hunts to draw. Mm-hmm. They were very low success rates of uh, drawing odds. Yeah. And I did not expect. To 100% draw a tag this year. I thought if this was the year we weren't going to draw, if we weren't going to draw a deer tag, this was the year we weren't because we didn't back it up with a high odds hunt or anything like that. We we went all out due to restrictions in our availability to hunt yeah. and dates that we had to hunt. So so we didn't draw a deer tag, yep. and I'm not disappointed because I knew the, the it was a long shot. Um, it's a bummer. But it is what it is. We put in for hard months to draw and yeah. didn't get it. 
uh, I, I'll let Josh, I'll let Josh, I'll let you decide whether or not you want to, you want to throw in on this on whether or not you drew. Cause I remember whenever I was with department of game of fish, anytime I said I drew, you get flack about, Oh, must be nice to work for the department and, and they draw your name. And every time you got to explain to them, yeah, that's not how it works. <laughs> exactly. So, we don't get, get any privilege. No we special. don't have any special privilege. Yeah. So did you get lucky this year? I I can't complain. I did draw deer tag, which I didn't get skunked. I know a lot of people that got skunked, and it is what it is. But I'll, I'm, I'm going to take what I can get and be glad that I got it. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Josh, give us, give us a little bit of background. Where are you from? Um, How did you come to be an officer and 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 a little bit of uh, background on how long you've been turkey hunting and stuff? Um, born and raised in Artesia, New Mexico. Uh, nice. Learned early on, um, knowing my local game warden um, growing up and gotten to be around him, hang, hang out with him and actually go on a ride along um, doing some deer trapping and things early on, kind of got my feet wet and, and helped me determine and decide what I wanted to do with myself um, and what career path I wanted to choose. Um, I went to school um, in Mexico State, um, graduated in 2002, um, was employed with game, the Game and Fish Department in 2003. Um, after all my training, um, I was assigned to the Tucumcari District. Um, I stayed in Tucumcari and that Tucumcari District for Approximately four and a half years. Um, loved it over there. Beautiful country. Awesome hunting opportunities. Um, just not a whole lot of public land, um, but just a phenomenal part of the world that I think is some of the best kept secrets in the state as far as hunting is, is concerned. Um, just a neat area. Um, the only reason I left was to get back closer to home. I'm currently living in Artesia um, as the Carlsbad Supervisory District Sergeant, so it was, it's been good to be back home. Um, that's kind of what, what it is in a nutshell from Tucumcari, I did transfer to Roswell, the Roswell district, became the Roswell district officer, get me a little closer to home. And then, um, finally a, a, a position came available to get me back home, which has been nice. Very nice. I've got some good family there in Artesia and he might know him. You never know. Probably does. Probably does. We can probably talk after the podcast yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah I've, got some, I've, got, I've got a lot of good family in, in Artesia. That's, that's become one of our favorite places to hunt. I love hunting in Artesia. Yes, um, I recall running into you. Was it, it was last year, last year. Last, deer, last year on the deer hunt. Uh -huh. Yep. Absolutely. Which was a good hunt for us. Yep. Um, and I grew my, I have some family that has a ranch out in Tucumcari. So I know that area a little oh, bit. Oh, wow. Too. So good. Um, Give us a little background on on your turkey hunting and and how long you've been doing it and and then we'll kind of get into really want to just get into some basics um again we're we're kind of wet behind the years when it comes to turkey hunting um uh, i was never terribly interested in it uh until kind of figured out it's very similar to elk hunting as, as far as calling them and and getting them to respond and so so it can be extremely exciting Absolutely. Um, I was fortunate to have uh, my dad uh, introduce me to turkey on at an early age. I remember um, following him around in the turkey woods, him and my brother, my older brother, um, and getting to see before I was even able to hunt um, and witness, get to see and witness, you know, the, the pros and cons, I guess, of turkey hunting. And, and when it's good, it's good. And when it's bad, it, it's not so good. But at an early age, I got to see men and, and, and experience that and was provided that opportunity. And, and I've been doing, you know, turkey hunting. I hadn't missed a year since. Um, I've been turkey hunting for, for close to 30 years now. And I'm, I'm by no means an expert. Um, I will never claim that, but I do have a lot of years under my belt and a lot of mistakes and a lot I've learned from my mistakes. And I've I've learned a lot from other hunters, fellow hunters, um, and, you know, there's a lot of luck involved with turkey hunting success. I've learned that over the years. I've had to work on my patience, which I don't have a whole lot of sometimes. And, and um, you know, there's lots of different techniques. We can probably get into that in here in a little bit, but I've been 
the turkey hunting for close to 30 years and I've, I enjoy it. I've introduced my kids to it and I think they're going to love it too. And it is what it is. I've enjoyed it and, and I look forward to it every year. What is, like, like Kyle said, one of the coolest things about turkey hunting is that it does par parallel elk hunting as far as the calling them in and stuff like that. The type of hunting that it is, it very, very much mirrors elk hunting. But in your opinion, what is the, what's your favorite thing about turkey hunting? I agree with you 100%. It mirrors elk hunting almost to a T. Um, I think the two most exciting animals that I enjoy, the, my two favorite animals to hunt are the elk and the turkey. And based basically because <clears throat> the the interaction you have with them yeah. um it, you're matching with those animals you're calling to them they respond to you and, and when they respond to you it's 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 just amazing um to have that interaction with them and be able to call a, a, a turkey or an elk into your into your lap or into close range it's it's just it does it for me if you will i mean it's it's those things that i, I look so forward to every year yeah um so take us through, I think we just want to kind of start at the bottom and, and really kind of get an understanding of a little bit of the, of the biology of turkeys, uh, kind of their life cycle, and then, you know, kind of ease us into the habitat types that you're going to find them in. I think that's one of the cool things about turkey is uh, you do find them across a, a wide variety of habitats. And here in New Mexico, we have three different species of turkey that you can hunt, which makes New Mexico extremely unique. Absolutely. Um, you know, the most common is, is probably the Merriams in the state, but we do also have the, the Rio Grande and the, and the Goulds turkey down in the Boot Hill. It's, it's makes for some phenomenal opportunities throughout the state. And I think statewide, you know, where the, the vast majority of our turkeys um, occur or live, I think our populations are doing great. I mean, we've had an over-the-counter turkey hunt for as long as I can remember, and we continue to maintain the numbers to be able to, to, to offer those licenses over-the-counter, which is just a phenomenal opportunity for, for anybody to go buy a license and go turkey hunt. Well, not only, not only that, but, but they're actually flourishing so much so that, um, you know, Game and Fish specifically, along with some, some partners, are taking from areas that have an overabundance of turkeys and, and introducing them back into historic ranges where they may have, may have not been for a long time. I remember doing several turkey traps in, in my time with the department where we were you know, bolstering numbers or sending them somewhere else that, that um, the habitat had opened back up. And, and so that, that really is a testament to, to how well um, you know, those, those birds have been managed in the state. Absolutely. The, the department has taken an, an initiative, uh, particularly the last five to 10 years on, on trying to expand those numbers. I know you were involved with a little bit of those turkey, turkey depredations and issues that we had in the Tucum Carry area and, were, and helped out with those trapping and, yep. and relocation of those birds. And it, it's nice to have that opportunity to expand, you know, certain populations or augment certain populations that are existing in certain areas that may be struggling at the time but I know a lot of those turkeys in that chicken carrier that we trapped eight and ten years ago have where that where we relocated to other areas of the state and um, I know particularly down in this part of the world um, the Washington Ranch area and you know where those birds were released back when um, are, are still doing doing well and so Take us through take us through the life cycle of a turkey. Uh, I know uh, enough to be uh, possibly, I guess, make myself uh, look like an idiot. But uh, um, take us through kind of what the life cycle of, of a turkey is and some of their like some of their real critical habitat needs. Um, I think that a lot of like other birds. Um, when we've got rainfall, we've got the right vegetation and, and the right, um, the adequate cover. Um, it, it all it all affects them one, in one way or another. 
um, and being a bird, just like a quail or a pheasant, or if we don't have the moisture and we don't have the cover and we don't have the, the, the forage for them, they're just not going to do well. And I think the turkeys kind of kind of mirror that um, in my experience. Um, I know they can they can do well in, in, in during droughts, but I don't think they're going to have the recruitment um, they, they would on a, on a good on a good wet year. Um, in my experience, um, hunting the Merriam's primarily turkeys, uh, I've seen them in some just dry, rugged, rugged country where there wasn't a blade of grass for miles, but somehow or another they're, they're still, they're still surviving. So I think they're pretty, pretty hardy, hardy birds, um, per se. Um, but just like any other critter, man, they're going to, they're going to thrive when, when it's, when, when it's good. And I, and that's one thing that kind of really stuck, sticks out to me is, um, I, I guess kind of, kind of like antelope, those real, typically a wet spring is really good for poult, um, recruitment, um, because they have that cover, they have, you know, they have the water and, you know, you talked about the, the birds down there at Washington ranch, um, down there on the black river, a, a, one of the reasons they're there is because there's water there. Uh, so it provides one of those, especially here in New Mexico, one of those key components of habitat for, for all animals really, but especially for those, for those turkeys. Absolutely. Water is critical. Um, I know they don't, they don't depend on it. If, as long as they're getting some moisture from, from foraging, um, they don't, they're not highly dependent on water, but when water, water is available and, they, they they're, they're going to use it. I'm rolling along here. <laughs> if, if you're a newbie, a, a new hunter out there turkey hunting for your first time, what is, what are you looking for? What's it, what, is, what, what type of terrain, what type of country, you know, are you, are you, if water is not a, a huge factor, which we all know water is always important, um, but if water is not a huge factor, what, what kind of terrain and country forage are you looking for to find good areas for turkey? Uh, I guess it depends on, are you going to have to, I guess, determine where you want to hunt first, what, what areas you want to focus on, uh, whether it want to be the mountain, the mountainous areas or units with, um, which typically in this, the South part, Southern part of the state, we've got a lot of turkeys, um, in the mountain areas. Um, if that's the case, that's kind of where I focus my efforts on. And I, uh, <clears throat> I do look for water. Uh, I know if, if there's water, there's going to be turkeys nearby within a mile of that water. Uh, in my, in my experience, you're going to find turkeys. I look for water. Um, I like to get off the roads. I'd like to get away from people. I like to get away from traffic because it always has an effect on, on your hunt and, how the birds behave or, or may react to your, your, your hunting the entire process or, or hunting style, particularly mine. So um, as for, from a, a newbie's perspective, I would say figure out where you want to hunt, um, do some, do your homework, um, maybe talk, talk to your local officer. Uh, they can, they're, their wisdom and knowledge of the area is, 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 is tremendous and I think that that's another uh, an amazing avenue that you can take to to pick their brains and get some ideas on on where the turkeys are uh, congregated or folk you know the, the primary turkey habitat in, in those in those areas the thing with the Merriam's turkeys they have they occupy a vast variety of, of habitats um, and that's what's that's what makes it nice, particularly in some of these southern units. There's turkeys all over the place, and they're thriving and doing well. So it's not hard to find turkeys, in my opinion. It's but it can be difficult to, to put one on the ground at times. Yeah, <laughs> I can I can understand that. That's for sure. Um, I got my first bird last year, but I I will say it was not one of those picture perfect setups you know where they come strutting in it was a i'll be very very frank it was a group of jakes that probably didn't know no better and just got to or i allowed me really that's what happened they didn't come to me they allowed me to get too close and i 
I got one. That, that was what <laughs> happened. That was, it was nothing pretty. <laughs> hey, a lot of turkeys are killed, um, spot and stalk. Um, a lot of tur birds are shot, you know, from, from the roads. They, they, they travel so much. So it, if a lot of hunters will just travel the roads and, and you find get an opportunity at a bird crossing a road or, or from the side of the road. And you know what, that's, that's not uncommon. Yeah. A lot killed annually, you know, legally from, from, from the edge of the, you know, the, the, the county or the main or that the forest roads or whatnot, you know, the two yeah. tracks. And I, I've seen that lots of times throughout my hunting career that turkey, you know, of turkeys being killed legally from just from, from the roads. Yeah. I would imagine that that's very common during the fall. Yes. But I mean, you're going to go spring turkey hunting. Why not clunk up in? Yeah. <laughs> true enough. True enough. Um, so you talked about your kind of your favorite spot to, or favorite area to hunt is in the mountains. Um, give us, give us some, uh, give us some habitat. Um, I, I, fully realize that the Miriams uh, occupy a pretty good range of habitat, but give us some indicators. Like, what are you looking for? You said water, that's uh, finding them within a mile of water, but um, what are these birds, particularly in the spring, because that's what the hunting's going on right now, but what are these birds looking for for food? What are they, you know, where, where can you expect uh, them to be moving to and from that type of, that type of information? It can, it can be very difficult to pattern these birds um, where you may see them at one place one day and, and they not be there the next. Um, in my experience, um, just trying to locate birds can be difficult. Um, I used some techniques, um, particularly early in the morning, late in the evening. If I don't know, if I'm going into an area blind, I like to be there late in the evening um, just after sundown or early in the morning before sun up and you can do a lot with it with an owl owl hoot or an owl, owl call you know a hoot, hoot, hoot call uh, that's how i do most of my locating and and birds are during the springtime are typically pretty darn vocal first thing in the morning um, mm -hmm. when you start the other birds chirping just before sun up nine times out of 10, you can get a turkey to gobble while in the roost while still on that tree. And that's, that's one of the main techniques I use to, to locate birds. If I don't know where birds are, you know, prior to, um, things to look for. Turkeys tend, in my experience, tend to roost upon tops of ridges. Um, then you want to, find a place that's got a lot of roost trees or roost opportunities they do prefer um in in in, the, in my part part of the world they they prefer the taller bigger the bigger you know ponderosa pines or something they can get up high um to you know get away from that possible um predator and i've seen them you know 100 100 feet up in the air and this is as high as they can get in some of those ponderosa pines before so you, you want to find a place that's got an inadequate amount of, of roost trees. Um, they don't like to roost in the smaller juniper, uh, pinyon juniper, but they will if they have to. I've seen them roost. I've seen the real grand birds roosted in, in salt cedars. You know, anything they can use to roost, they'll use it, but they prefer the taller, bigger trees for, for, for safety, I guess, and comfort. When you're talking about roosting, um, you go in, you go in in the morning and you hear them on the roost. Do, do you like to get as close as you can to a roost or do you kind of hold off and see which way they're going to go when they come out of that roost? Historically, uh, you know, you, you see these turkey hunts on TV and whatnot, and, and it seems like it's an easy thing watching those guys video, but in, in all reality, it pro probably took them two weeks to make a 30 minute video. Yeah, with, with, yeah, it, who knows how much footage they had to cut through. B-roll. Exactly. It's, it's not reality. I mean, yeah, you can probably go out there open in the morning and get lucky and, and kill a bird, but you're going to, you're going to, for the most part, you're going to work for it and you're going to earn that turkey. But 
Um, me in particular, I've, I've gotten lucky and, and I've gone in and, and gotten right underneath roost before when it's still dark and I was able to do it quietly and, and not disturb the birds and was able to kill a bird. Got lucky and they flew down within shotgun range, but you just never know. I have learned from a lot of my mess ups that if it's, if, it, if it's dark enough and you can get in close, I normally try to. I try to get in within 100 yards of their roost tree. Um, typically that's birds that I've maybe have roosted, maybe roosted the evening before. And, and so I knew their general vicinity and was able to, you know, with a little headlamp or I usually use a, a red or a green, green light on my headlamp and try to get in within a hundred yards of a bird and try to get into an open area, get, get decoys set up and, um, and just be patient, sit and wait and, and, and call occasionally. I, I'd have learned over the years that I early on, I called probably too much too frequently and too loud and probably disturb and spook more birds than I, than I realized, but you can get too close. Um, they are pretty weary in, in the mornings. They don't see well in the dark. So you, if you're quiet, you can get right up on them, but it's, 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 it's difficult to do, but I, I like to get within a hundred yards, get in an open area where I think they may pitch down out of that tree. Um, a lot of times it seems like, more times than not, they go, they do the opposite of what you expect them to do. That's just <laughs> got a sixth sense. And, and, um, so it's, it, it's difficult. I've had success doing all of the above. So they're pretty well unpredictable, but if I had my, my choice in the matter, I would get within a hundred yards of the roost, maybe even within 50 yards, having, have your decoys out and, and totally set up and ready prior to them being able to see. Um, as soon as you're able to start seeing, I've had birds pitch out out of trees and, 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 and light on the ground next to me when, when I could barely see. So they, they're very unpredictable, um, but that's what makes them fun to hunt. Um, they can be extremely frustrating, um, but that's kind of my technique that I use. I like to locate birds. I like to know where they're at for the next morning get in fairly close, get set up, wait on them and, and, and don't call too much. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, um, most, in most cases, these toms this time of year, even first starting to start of the hunt or already, already got, already have hens with them. So you'll hear a lot of times hens talking in the trees, um, you'll yelping in the trees. And a lot of times I try to mimic that. Some guys will, will mimic a turkey flying down with a, with, a, with a wing. I've used that in the past. It may or may not work. I don't know. It's just something else that, that may convince that Tom to come check you out. You know, there's lots of techniques and things to, you could spend lots of money on equipment for turkey hunting when there's been a lot of turkeys that just been shot just over an old, this an old box call, you know? Okay. So the sky's the limit on equipment and fancy gear and, fancy shotguns but I, just being out in the woods and, and and learning it on your own and experiencing it and being around the birds and listening to the birds and observing the birds you're going to learn so much just by being out and doing it versus watching it some you know tv show on tv i know that's probably one of the most um that's probably one of one of the things i hear the most what whether it's with elk hunting or with turkey hunting is too much calling you're doing too much calling and it uh it it kind of makes me laugh because i the other day i saw a meme uh, it's really a cartoon was what it was but uh is you know this tom up this tom up in a tree up in a roost and this turkey hunter down in the bushes and the turkey hunter was calling and you know the 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 expression off of the turkey call from the hunter's point of view was these hearts telling you know telling tom to come in and then when it showed the Tom, the Tom was hearing this nag, 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 nag. And that's kind of what it, it makes me laugh every time. Cause that's really what, uh, it really kind of brought that visualization into my mind about calling too much. Uh, I, and I don't know what's, how much is too much. Maybe you can take us through, you know, uh, kind of some intervals and, and, and some common things that, that you, have seen over the years again it's hard to pattern birds like you said but there's everybody kind of gets these techniques that have worked for them and tend to go back to 
Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it all depends on the bird. I've been, I have had some birds that will gobble at any, any noise you make and are hot and excited and, and, and you can't, you can't almost can't do anything wrong, but you know, that's, those are few and far between, but it, they're, they're very unpredictable. Um, you know, there's the birds that my daughter killed a bird last weekend that never said a word. We never knew he was anywhere in the area uh, until he walked out of the trees into the meadow we were in and came into the decoys. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing how unpredictable they can be. And, and the very next day, he, they may be gobbling their heads off. Um, it, I think it depends a lot on the weather too. Last weekend, we had a, a cold front come in. There's no doubt in my mind that had an impact on, on why the birds weren't vocal at all. You, like you could hardly get one to even gobble on the roost. So, but uh, yeah, I think what in my experience um, early on, I think I probably called too loud. Um, they can their their hearing is phenomenal. Their hearing and eyesight is just phenomenal. And I've, I've learned over the years to tone down my calling. Um, I've had more success just by softly calling on a call than I have being loud. Um, particularly if you know a bird is in the air, within a couple, several hundred yards of you, um, I think the, the quieter and softer on the calls you can be, the better. Um, another thing I've kind of learned over the years is you want that bird to come looking for you. If you're calling too much, I think in my opinion, that bird, is it in the grand scheme of things, how this is all supposed to work out for these birds is it's common knowledge, I think, when you know, turkey hunting that the, the, the gobblers gobble to attract hens. So the hens are supposed to respond to the to the toms gobbling and come to them. And that's kind of where we're, we've kind of reversed that role. And by yeah, trying so to talk with toms that's, really, that's really interesting because you would think that we would have tried to figure out how to how to work with that but in reality you're working against the natural flow of things so it automatically makes it harder absolutely you'll see uh, i've seen birds they they normally have a roost area or a strutting area i've seen birds you know day after day after day will go off the roost um they'll attempt to breed the hens that they're with and the hens will leave and then these toms will go to their their strutting zones and they'll typically a meadow or a place that it's fairly open and, and that's where they strut they just strut strut around and they'll occasionally gobble and they're expecting those hens to to come to them at that point in time so so yeah we're fighting that natural urge for that tom to sit and wait on you and i think when you possibly call too much um he's just it may just sit and wait on you and it may not may never I may never, never, he may never materialize, but I think calling less frequently and softer, that is, in my experience, has, has worked out for me. It makes that turkey, uh, he's probably, I'm assuming, probably getting impatient, and he, and if you don't call too much, he, he's kind of forced to come looking for you, and if, if you're calling too loud, he may think you're closer than you actually are, and may not come as close as you need him to come. So I, I like to call very, very softly, particularly if I know a bird's within 200 yards of me, I'm just, I, you know, the noise is just barely resonating off that slate or box, or I normally use the slate call at that point in time, just cause I can tone it down so much and just barely be making any noise at all. So um, that brings up a question, like how, I, I realize you've got 30 years of this, but, um, how can you how can you tell how far they are from you? How I mean, just the 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 volume of their gobble or yeah, I mean, it's the volume and it's just being it's just being in the woods and experience it and and a lot of times it depends on what what direction the bird is facing. Um, just like an elk, if an elk's facing you and bugling at you, it's much louder than he's it than it would be him facing away from you. But he's not any farther from you. He's just facing a different direction. So there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, things that can contribute to knowing how far that bird is. Um, but you're going to know the volume is just amazing and the resonance is just amazing when those birds are within 50 yards of you gobbling. It's just it's night and day when, when they're that close versus a bird at 100 yards or more. And it depends on the terrain. If you're down in a canyon, um, that tom's gonna sound loud, 
much louder than he may be would sound up on top of a ridge where that noise can carry. So it varies and it just takes experience being in the woods and, and witnessing it firsthand. Um, it's hard to say that's, that's the truth of it. And um, when they're vocal, they're easier to hunt, they're easier to kill, just like elk. If elk aren't talking, man, they can be very difficult to kill. And same with turkeys. And I think that's what makes it so fun and, 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 and you know, gets us out there is, is that interaction and, and hearing them gobble, it, it's just, it's just amazing. What kind of, what kind of calls are you typically using? I know I, I, I've listened to you talk about a box calls, slate calls, but what kind of calls do you typically carry with you out in the field? I try to carry a, 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 an assortment. I have a box call, I've got a slate and I've got diaphragms for just for any, any particular um, instance that may arise. When I'm locating, if I didn't have any luck in the morning, I normally try to hunt until 10, 11 o'clock because a lot of times those those hens may leave that tom and he's at that point, he's, he's either looking for other hens or he's going to his area to strut. So I'm looking at that point, if I haven't had any success right off the bat in the morning, I, I, I stick with it. I do some location calls. Um, I carry a crow call. Crow call is an, is an, is an awesome tool to uh, get a bird to gobble midday, um, all day long, really. Um, um, it's just, it's called a shot gobble and it's just a, it's just a noise. It's just a, a, a racket and a loud noise that I don't know if it irritates them, um, makes them mad or what, but it, it shocks a gobble out of them a lot of times. If you're real loud and obnoxious on that call, it'll a lot of times get them to gobble, which will then tell you where they're at. And then you can make it, make a, you know, a, a play on them at that point in time. But I don't know how many times I've I've messed that up too by not, by hearing a turkey gobble within a few hundred yards of me, and um, heading out trying to get closer to him and end up busting him him seeing me. Uh, a lot of it's a lot of a lot of times it's just just good to sit tight and, and wait that bird out. That's another thing good about a locator call such as a a crow call is they're going to respond to it and they're not going to come to you as if as if you would have had a, a you know, a box call or something calling to him. I've, I've done that in the past too, is using a box call to locate a bird and a turkey gobbles at you a hundred yards from you. And before you can get your decoy out and get ready, he's already coming and he, and he busts you. So there's some pros and cons to using a box or a turkey call to locate versus a crow call to locate because it may give you that opportunity to maybe get closer uh, if he's too far or get your stuff set up, find a tree, find some places to hide. And before you start actually calling with a, with a turkey call. Nice. That's a good tip. A really good tip. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's talk about goblin real quick. Uh, one of the things about turkey hunting that I'm not sure a lot of people know is how dangerous it can be. Uh, a lot of people out there running the woods, like you said, it's over the counter tag. So there's not really a limit on the number of people. And you can end up with a lot of people stalking the same gobble mm -hmm. and shooting shotguns in different directions. It's just a very dangerous, it's a dangerous hunt to go on. I actually looked this up the other day and fall turkey hunting uh, as the most accidents and they're the most hunter on hunter accidents and fatalities in all of hunting is fall turkey nice spring turkey is probably number two then uh that's probably up there but yeah yeah uh deer hunting i think was second <laughs> whitetail yeah back east whitetail probably yeah. probably deer drives deer drives that's <laughs> probably a good check. yeah but uh yeah it's it uh, you're you're exactly right so, so what can you do for, for safety concerns when you're out there and you're like, like you said, you hear a gobble and you try and get a little bit closer uh, and, and you're doing all that calling quite literally there's, there's probably plenty of times where you've got a bunch of other people stalking that same call. Absolutely. And it's happened to me in the past. I've, you know, I've had a uh, chance uh, or times where 
I've got a turkey gobbling in a, in a tree in the early in the morning and I'm making my way to him and I run into another hunter. It, it's happens and, and that's, that's public land hunting for you. But mm-hmm. as far as gobbling, you're, they do make gobble calls. I do have a gobble call, but I, I'm very careful on when and where I use it. Um, I haven't had a whole lot of success using the gobble call. Uh, on occasion, I've, had, I've been able to locate turkeys because they'll respond um, by gobbling to a gobble call sometimes. So for the 90% of the time, it stays in my, in my pocket and doesn't come out, you know, but I have it just in case I may want to try it. If nothing else, you know, you need to throw the, everything but the kitchen sink out and it's not working, you know, I, I, I might try that, but I, I very rarely do. Um, basically because of the safety concerns, I do know um, accidents happen quite often. I know, I, had, I know an individual that I, I uh, grew up with that they actually got shot um shot at and his dad was peppered and growing up turkey hunting and, and so it can be very dangerous um, they, they advise that you don't wear any type of um clothing that may uh you know mimic that of a turkey uh turkey's head the colors the reds the blues the whites um blacks i mean any of those tar- colors can can be dangerous at times I know with this particular, particular particular instance, it was that they were sitting beside a road, um, uh, and it was foggy, from what I understand, real foggy. And and some hunters were were driving down the road, and their camouflage clothing within that fog, I guess, appeared to be dark in color. And these hunters jumped out of that truck and started shooting at them, and. It, it, luckily nobody was 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 hurt severely or killed but it, it can happen um you just got to be careful i don't like i said i don't you'd like to use a gobble call um the, the decoys thing the decoy thing's gotten real popular now where they're you're actually using a tom tom turkey decoy to stalk turkeys and it's been very effective um but i mean you got to be careful with that particularly on public land too I, it's it's amazing how effective it is. You've probably seen it on TV where they're stalking turkeys behind a strutting Tom decoy and getting within shotgun range. It's, it's amazing, but yeah, I've, I've talked, that talked, very... talked, sorry. <laughs> I talked to a guide just the other day that, uh, that did that. They had this Tom out in the middle of a, of a meadow. Mind you, this is, this is, um, private land that they were on. So he, he could do that, but out in the middle of a meadow and, was able to take a tom turkey decoy and basically they just crawled on their hands and knees him in front holding that tom and and the hunter behind him uh just in line with that tom and they just crawled belly crawled all the way out there to within range and got and got the bird yeah the, the turkey yeah. fans that people are using nowadays um i have a, a, a spreading tom decoy and i hate setting it up mm. for that exact reason every time i set it up i'm thinking okay going to set this up but i'm going to set it up in a direct because it, it's a it's a 2d it's not a 3d target it's just a 2d target and every time i set it up i make sure it's sideways to me so if somebody shoots it they're not i'm not behind it <laughs> <laughs> that's smart it's, it's just it's just dangerous yeah that's a very good idea um i i, I mean i even using handy decoys on public land can 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 be dangerous i mean yeah. um people shoot first and look later i mean it, 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 they do it so it, it can be dangerous yeah it's probably probably a good time in the podcast to remind everybody uh make sure that you're following your four cardinal safety rules if you do that mm-hmm. we shouldn't have any problems yeah <laughs> identify what that target is before you shoot yeah uh, and that's you know even like i had a little jake uh decoy with the beard off of it and now it's a perfectly beautiful little indie <laughs> <laughs> and decoys work wonderful i mean i've I, I have one with me all the time anytime any chance i can get one out i do um I, there i've had i think turkeys come to an area and, and and not be able to see any hen where i'm calling from and they just will not close the rest of that distance much like an elk if an elk yeah. doesn't see a cow where that noise is coming from a lot of times they're not going to they're not going to close that distance. So yeah. it is a, it's a very good tool to use. Yeah. Um, I know. So it, it's always a fun topic about, uh, you know, you're talking about the gear and how 
how into it you can really get. I mean, there's gears and gear and gadgets and camo and everything. Um, and I, I always kind of lean a little towards, uh, I tend to like earth tones and don't necessarily go all out and have uh, camo from head to toe, but uh, turkeys are a little bit different. Their eyesight's extremely good. And so what, what are your, like, what's your kind of process? Do you go camel head to toe? Do you not worry too much about the shine off your face? What, what's your, uh, what's your standard protocol? I don't know that it's always necessary, but I do um, wear a camo head to toe. I normally try to cover my face uh, best I can. I wear gloves. Um, your hands really stand out, in my opinion, when you do any movement, if you don't have them covered. Um, even as much as taking, you know, the safety off of your gun without anything on your hands, it's their, their eyesight is just phenomenal. And I'm not willing to take that risk because I've been busted and it's have learned from my, my, my experiences and, and know that if it's, you're just better off to cover, it doesn't have to be a camouflage pattern. It could just be an earth tone, but just covering it up. I think it's critical. Um, being still movement is they, they can pick up any little movement. It's, it's amazing how much, what they pick up on. And once they do pick up on any type of movement, it, it pretty much the gig's up. And yeah. they're, they're, they, they put some on alert, and you don't have a whole lot of time to, to try to fix that if, if that's the case. So I think covering up best you can, earth tones at a minimum, um, movement, keep your movement to, to an extreme minimum. Um, I'll only move um, when you have a barrier um, in between you and the bird, say a tree. A, uh, if the same was, you know, I, I, elk hunt, I bow elk hunt, so I, you use the terrain and you use the vegetation to, to your advantage. So when they're, their head's behind a tree or behind a bush, that's when you take your opportunity to move. And, mm. Or a tom, a strutting tom is very easy to kill if he's keyed, keyed in on a decoy because... You give, him, you give him enough time, he's going to turn his, his rear to you, which is going to totally block his view because of his tail fan. That's going to give you ample opportunity to move and do what you need to do to, to get ready to make the shot once, it, when he, once he presents that. And so let's talk about that shot a little bit. Uh, I, I have often heard, you know, people missing, missing one. Um, and, and I think from what I've, uh, from what I've, I've read and, and kind of look, looked up uh, about turkey hunting, probably the most common thing uh, for you, if you're within, within range and you've got the correct, you know, the correct implement, uh, you know, shotgun and it's patterned and it's on, uh, for the most part, the most missed shot is because you shot over the top of them. Is that right? Absolutely. And, and yes, you're just Right. And it happens all too often. And it, it, the reason, the reason being is you get excited. You don't have your cheek down on the gun, looking down that ramp and your beads high and you don't realize it. And it shoot, put, you know, force your shot over the turkey's head. And I, I've seen it. Um, I witnessed it. What I do and what I've done for my kids and what I highly recommend a lot of, a lot of these new shotguns come with two beads, a front and a rear bead to line up. Mm. Uh, but a lot of times those beads are maybe your front beads illuminated, but the rear's not. Um, so you don't in, a, in in low light situations you're not going to know if your if your barrel's level. The problem is your is your barrel's not level, and you don't know that because you don't have two reference points, uh, front sight and the rear sight, if you will. So what I do personally, and what I've done for my kids is I put a, a high vis rear bead, you know, halfway down the barrel, so that they have two points of alignment that they can line up knowing that that barrel's level and then they put that single bead on that turkey's neck and it's been very very productive but you're you're, you're exactly right there's a lot of turkeys missed every year and at 90 percent of the time it's they're shooting high because they're not getting down on the gun and that barrel's not level and they're shooting high you're absolutely right yeah i put a i put a little bitty dot of fingernail polish on the back end of my rail so when i 
get that to the bottom of the front bead, I know I'm good. Absolutely. Yeah, any, anything that'll that little work as a second reference point is, is critical, in my opinion. That's, that makes a ton of sense. And I mean, I, um, up and up until recent, I mean, I just purchased a shotgun for myself, but, uh, up until recently I didn't use, do a lot of shotgun shooting. I didn't bird hunt, do things like that. And so I never really had, uh, any experience with that, uh, when I was with the department, the, the shotguns that we used there had rifle sights on it. And so it was just like using a rifle. And so that, that absolutely makes a ton of sense. And that's, that's definitely what I'm going to do for, for this new shotgun. I've got them put some sort of second reference because I could see myself doing that because I'm not used to getting, I'm not used to getting that shotgun down level. Yeah. I don't have that experience. Yeah, exactly. And, and it, and having those, these new high vis, you know, sites, um, that stand out even in low light and man, it, 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 your eyes are drawn to them and it's, it's a very good tool to use for doing that. And with today's technologies and, and most turkey guns are, you know, if you probably have a full choke or an extended or, you know, an extra full choke or, so those, uh, those guns are shooting very tight patterns. So it doesn't take much to, you know, yep. you went out to 20, 30, 40 yards that it doesn't take much elevation in that front barrel, uh, front end of that barrel to shoot high. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yep. <laughs> I'm glad we had this podcast because I we were getting ready to pat, pattern shotguns yep. for a hunt later on in the in the month. So that'll be that'll be good information. It's coming up pretty quick. It is coming up really quick. So these next Thursdays, I think. Yeah. Or next Friday. Something like that. Something like that. Pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> so what else? What have we not covered? I'm sure that we didn't cover a lot. Uh there's there's so much to it. I, I haven't done a ton of turkey hunting, but but I've done a little. It's super fun. It, to me, it's just every bit as exciting as elk. Um, and I've been I've had some really cool close encounters with elk, and the close encounters that I've had with turkey were just as exciting. Um, absolutely love it. It's so much fun. We don't do it near enough. No, thing that we should do a lot of every year. And the cool thing about it is you do have, you know, it's a longer season. It gives you an opportunity just to spend some good time in the woods, um, especially for all those people that didn't draw tag. Well, and that's something that I was going to say. That's, that's actually one of the reasons why I'm, I'm pretty excited about getting into turkey hunting is because uh, used to basically all I put in for was elk. So if you didn't draw, it was a long dead gum year. But now you start, uh, since we started doing this podcast, you start realizing how much hunting there actually is on a year-round basis. And turkey is a perfect spot uh, for to get you kind of primed up. And uh, then you have a couple months of, of summer to, to kind of get ready for everything else. But uh, I like that it's, it's, it's a good way to come out of the, come out of winter and Get, get back in the woods. It is. And, and another cool thing about turkey hunting that I really like is if there's an area that, like you were talking about, there's plenty of good habitat for turkey out there. But one thing that you can almost always guarantee is that if you're hunting elk there, there's probably turkey there too. And so if you've got a spot that you're trying to draw a, an elk tag, what a better way to go scouting Learn the country. To go turkey hunt. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. spend a few weeks out there chasing turkey while you're scouting for elk. You know, learn the country. It's just a great opportunity. It's another Absolutely. chance to get in the woods, practice, practice your woodsmanship, and learn the country. So Absolutely. And it and it and it elk and turkey hunting occurs during my favorite times of the year. You know, spring and fall are just wonderful times of the year to be in the mountains. Yeah. And absolutely it's just amazing. You can kill two birds. Um, you could kill three if you want to go shoot a bird in the fall. I'm not a big fall turkey hunter. I just normally focus my efforts on, on elk or something else if I'm lucky enough to draw. But I, 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 I love, I love springtime turkey hunting and, and hearing them gobble and being able to call them in and interact with them, you know, yeah. match with 
birds and if you can get lucky and pull one and, and, and kill him, it's, it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. And, it, and to that, to that point as well, uh, you know, uh, we had another person on the podcast, Joey G, where he talks about stealing the deal. Yeah. Now, that's one of the hardest things and one of the most important things, you know, to, to do, because you get lots of practice doing everything up to that. Right. Yes. You, practice stalking, practice calling, yep. all of that. But like making shooting. that shot is the one thing that you get the least amount of practice doing. Yeah. Right. So when you get out there in the turkey woods and you're calling in a turkey and you get the opportunity, that's that's what it is. It's just more practice sealing the deal. Yeah. Cl- closing it out and and making that shot. Yeah. I was gonna and say there's there's a reason that the average harvest rate in the state is somewhere around 23% because people yeah. don't know how to close that yeah. deal. Yeah. And, and turkey hunting, that's, that's, it gives you another opportunity to practice staying calm. It, it's a problem that I had for a Tornado long time mode. is staying calm. Yeah. And the more opportunities, opportunities you have to pull the trigger, be it with a bow, a shotgun, a muzzler, a rifle, it doesn't matter. The more opportunities you have to be in that moment, the better you will be at sealing the deal. And Turkey's just another great opportunity to do that. Absolutely. And we touched on it a little bit ago. I don't know. Um, like I said, a lot of these shotguns these days are, they are, they are you know, they're, most firearms companies are actually building shotguns for turkey hunting. And they're nice if you got the money. Um, but there's been a lot of turkeys killed with, with grandpa's, you know, double barrel, 12 gauge shotgun. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just what you want to put into it and what you can afford to put into it, but you don't have to be extravagant or have the greatest and greatest to go, to go have a, a darn good time and kill a turkey. Um, uh, the first and, and today's ammunition is the technology is just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, they're, you know, they're, 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 they're shooting these turkey rounds, these turkey loads out to 40, 50, 60 yards with, you know, darn good accuracy. And I'm putting a lot of pellets on paper at, out at 50 and 60 yards. Yeah. I don't know, uh, condone that or, or, or support that. It, it all depends on the situation, but the technology is just phenomenal. Yeah. You know, what these turkey loads are, are doing these days. The, the first shotgun I ever shot when I was a kid, like 11, 12 years old, uh, was an old savage side-by-side double barrel 12 gauge shotgun. And it had uh, a cutoff stock on it. Mm-hmm. It didn't, didn't have a button at all. So no cushion, no rifle butt plate or anything it was just cut off piece of wood and nice i don't know how many times that thing knocked me over it had like an eight mile long barrel and it weighed like 72 pounds it was murder dragging that thing around we hunted quail with it i i hunted quail with it and um i finally got tired of it and i took a rifle butt plate off of a rifle and put it on there, but I couldn't get the screw on the top hole to go all the way in. So it stuck out about yay far. And man, by the time quail season was over, I would just be beat up. <laughs> oh man, it's amazing that I will even pick up a shotgun anymore after doing that as a kid. And my cousins, both of them a-holes, uh, always telling me, pull both triggers. Yes. <laughs> And then my dumbass doing it. Well, yeah, you know, it comes back to what Josh was saying, and that's that's what we advocate for. If you if you have the means, the the technology, and and the shotguns, and 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 all that, you know, the the gear um, is nice and probably makes it a little more comfortable and a little easier to do it. But in all reality, beg, borrow, steal, just get your butt out in the woods. Yeah, go hunt. Absolutely. And talking about the 12 gauge and different options, uh, my kids have, have shot lot, quite a few turkeys with just a 20 gauge uh, youth, youth shotgun. So you don't have to have the biggest and best out there. I know there's guys that, that hunt turkeys every year with a 410. Yeah. I think some of these modern, you know, these 
uh, ammunition manufacturers are even making turkey loads now in, in 410. So yep. this, this the limit, man, and, and you don't have to have a whole lot of funds or money to, to go enjoy it. Just figure out what you need and what you can, what you can find and afford and, and make it work. It's a great, great way to get started. Yeah. Cause it's, 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 it's time. Like we said earlier, it's time in the woods. It's experience over the counter. You don't have to over draw the counter, it. you know, and if nothing else, you can get out there in the spring when everybody's got winter fever and tired of being cooped up and right now in the middle of COVID get out in the woods, go turkey hunting, man. Absolutely. Hey, um, we're going to wrap this up, but uh, before we do, kind of wanted to give you an opportunity to uh, let everybody out there know uh, just some reminders on, on turkey hunting from the department standpoint. Um, um, kind of give us, give us a, some, some heads up on, on what you got to have with you out in the woods and what to expect if, if you run into a game warden. Absolutely. Um, if you're hunting turkeys in the spring, of course, there's a two bird limit. It's got to have a visible beard. Um, oftentimes hens will have beards. So if you shoot a bearded hen, it's, it's perfectly legal. Um, but you got to show a proof of proof of sex. So that beard's got to remain on that bird after the kill until it gets to your place of storage, uh, such as your home or residence. But that beard's got to remain attached to that bird so that an officer can see that that was in indeed a, a bearded turkey whether it be a, you know a bearded hen or, or a tom turkey um your fall seasons it's neither or so you can kill either, either, any bird it doesn't have to be bearded which is which is nice um just it, it's another opportunity um whether you choose the e-tag option which is new a lot of people may not be familiar with that um it's it's nice uh, not to have to carry a paper tag with you but you got to make sure you do that correctly. You have to download an app to your phone. It, it's it's fairly convenient if 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 the technologies work. Um, you don't have to have cell phone service. You just have to have the the application open on your phone prior to losing service. You'll be able to to tag your animal through that app as long as you have that app opened up on your phone. Um, if you if you do that, if you take if you use that option, it'll prompt you to to fill out some information that you do then have to attach to the bird, which is, you know, normally, normally on a leg. I use, I use just flagging um, and I get, and I use a Sharpie I, I, that I can write the information that, that your app prompts you to write on your, on your, on the flagging. And then I can wrap that around the, the, the leg of the Turkey. If that, if the app, if the e-tag app is the option I take. And that's gotta I, be waterproof material, correct? Yes, it needs it. Yes, it, it, it should be just, to, to play it safe. Um, if you, I'm, I'm old school. I like to have that old paper tag to, you know, it's a, you and me both. It, it, it's, it's nice to have that, you know, where it's at, you know, it's going on that bird. It's not coming off unless somebody takes it off. And, and it, it, that you're claiming that bird is yours and it's, it's just, it's just a neat thing to do, but you, that you can kind of get that satisfaction out of the e-tag thing too, by being able to, put something on that bird but have your license with you know what you need to buy you need a game hunting license as well as the turkey license um your habitat stamps if you're hunting on on public land um just have all that with you um it's a good time it's fairly cheap turkey license is 25 bucks you can kill two turkeys um nothing else is cheap any, anymore the, the the fuel the, the food the that racks <laughs> we all know but going down and buying a 25 dollars resident turkey license is pretty darn cheap in today's time and i think i would just highly suggest you guys or anybody take advantage of it take the kids out and just get outdoors any restrictions on implements what you can kill them with there's not i mean it's across the board other than uh, center fire. We don't, we don't allow any center fire, rim fire, um, firearms to be shot at turkeys in the state of New Mexico. So, so shotguns, bows, crossbows. Exactly. All good. Yep. It, and you're going to have restrictions during the September fall turkey hunt. Um, there's some arch, there's archery only during that September time frame when the deer and elk hunters are out chasing deer and elk with archery equipment you're going to be restricted to that archery equipment during that time as well 
and then um, you know waterfowl um, migratory birds things like that you got to have a plug you got to have that plug for turkey as well you do not you can have a, a plug out and, and and load it to capacity which you know turkeys are tough i've had to shoot some turkeys in the past two or three times to get those things on the ground if you don't hit them it's critical to hit them good the first time when you have the opportunity and and it's calm and the birds hopefully steal and and offer, offering you that opportunity it's critical that you hit them good the first time because i have lost birds that i did not hit first shot and man they, they end up taking flight or and, and getting out of the country just because i didn't i didn't hit them well so having three or four rounds in that shotgun is, is it, it may not be a bad thing awesome cool. anything else uh you know i'm i'm ready to go yeah me too me and Kyle well, good luck, guys. I wish you the best of luck and I think you're you're on the right track and it's something fun to do and there's no turning back. Once you get that's that's one of those things, once you do it and get the bug, you're you're hooked for life. Right. We're going to um we're actually gonna be doing a three or four day, four day, right? Uh I don't know. Three yeah. day. Depends on how how we feel after <laughs> the first two days. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we're we're gonna pack off into a wilderness, so we're gonna we're gonna get on our feet, do some hiking, do some camping, pack off into our wilderness for three or four days, like it's like Kyle said, depending on. Uh, that, that, another good thing about that, if you're out hiking in the turkey woods in the springtime. There's a high probability of finding elk and deer sheds. Yep, absolutely. Yep. So absolutely. looking forward to it. Absolutely, Josh. I want to thank you for coming on. I appreciate uh, um, sharing your knowledge with us. I think uh, the. We like to do this podcast to get get good, uh, you know, sound information out there. Uh, introduce some new people to hunting. So sure, appreciate you coming on and and sharing with us your 30 years of experience. Uh, you said you're not an expert, uh, but oftentimes that experience just kind of uh, puts you where you need to be. Yep, absolutely. Thanks for joining us, man. Absolutely, I appreciate you. Appreciate the invite and good luck to you guys on your turkey hunts. Thank Thanks, you very man. much. Adios. Adios, people. You bet. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining Not a Grande Outdoors podcast. Come follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And don't forget about our website, www.notagrandeoutdoors.com. Adios. Adios.